Greetings, Commanders, and welcome to episode 155 of Lave Radio, the show that talks about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your host, Second Technician, Fozzer Forrester, and joining me in the cramped orange sidewinder this episode are Head of Health and Safety, Mr. Ben Moss Woodward. I need sleep. You do. We all need a little bit of that. Chief Archivist, Mr. Colin Ford. Uh, good evening, everybody. Good evening, Colin. And, of course, Lave Station's Chief Bar Steward, the ever-so-wonderful Mr. Grant Psycho-Cow Wilcott. Hello! Greetings, guys. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, it's going to be a slightly abridged show tonight, because, as Ben says, we are all a little bit knackered, apart from Colin, who would like to be knackered. Um, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you do realise that's famous last words <laughs> I already am knackered <laughs> <laughs> That's just general life knackeredness As opposed to the reason that the rest of us are knackered um, Yes oh, it's going to be a Suck it up buttercup <laughs> Come on <laughs> It's going to be a slightly truncated show today um, We were planning on doing the third in our um, Peripheral stroke third party add-ons For Elite Dangerous series uh, But we are going to push that back Until next week because uh, obviously we've got a few uh, a few people we want to actually get on that show. Not least you want to get the um, the guys from the HS HSC <laughs> HTS. Uh, the voice back guys are going to hopefully come on for that show, and they've been one of the big standout success stories of the third party uh, apps and add-ons. So uh, we would really like to get them on when we're talking about the, the voice packs and the various other voice command things that we've got for Elite Dangerous. So this episode, we're going to do a little bit more around the news around the PlayStation 4. But before we do that, let's find out what everybody has been up with, starting with Grant. Hello. I just noticed an interesting Twitch comment question from Goblin Stomper who says, did we mention Steam controllers last week? No, we didn't. We actually we got so into some of the hardware we ran out of time. Um, I don't even think Steam controllers are on our list for things to cover. If you have used one and you've got any sort of interest or uh, information you want to share with us, then send an email to info at laveradio.com about the Steam controllers. I've got one here in the house. It's a very nice controller um it really, really is it really is have you used one no yeah i've got one sat right next to me i'm not a fan i couldn't imagine playing elite dangerous with it yeah well that's that's the one that i've not tried so if you've got any information on that that would be awesome but yeah what have i been up to this week well it's been a week of catching up with some of the editing done in podcast uh i the ongoing and this is just this nearly finished me today was the ongoing chaos that is me trying to get SkyQ installed here without them drilling holes into my house um, again we've got a communal system that works it's compatible we, and I got all the work done and the guy came out today and it's like you're stuck between two companies and neither of which willing to speak to each other neither one of them willing to solve the problem and it's just playing fecking tennis with me and I'm getting sick and tired of being the ball so hold on what extra cabling does it require for SkyQ? It doesn't, it's on a new frequency so we need to change their LNB. Now in our house we've got a communal, two properties with a communal system that was installed. Not my choice I moved in here, that's it, you know this is what we've got and it makes sense to use that to distribute it to every room of the house that sounds like a reasonable thing to do because it's a slightly different frequency there's a possibility it would require a change in the satellite dish receiver, the LNB or, and also potentially a change in the switch in the attic which goes into the communal system so to 
that allows that frequency to come through to every bit of the property and therefore SkyQ works with it. Fair enough. Sky want to put a dish up and run a cable through your wall straight into the dish. That's what they want. That's all they want to do. But when you... So we had an installer. He came out and I told them all this stuff. I told them about the communal system. They turn up and he goes, I'm here to put a mini dish up. You're like, no, you're not. I said, no, I can understand that maybe Sky didn't send any information on to you from my phone call. I was on the phone to them for over an hour and a half resolving this and getting it organised. They said you bring out a hybrid LNB, fit that into the communal system, but that there might be work required at that end. Why would I know that if I hadn't had a conversation with him? And he went, oh, no, that's done with this now. Okay, so maybe Sky didn't pass that information on. They just sent you out as a standard install. Uh, that, that's fair enough. I understand that. However, I have been on the phone to your company all freaking morning <laughs> because you guys emailed me this morning saying you'd be out between one and four when Sky told me you'd be out between eight and one. Now I've got my neighbour waiting in to give them access to the attic and he can't stay that late in the afternoon. So I've reshuffled it all and the guy just comes in and doesn't do anything. So that's where I am. So I spoke to his company who installed the communal system in this property. They installed it, right? <laughs> See, you're getting me ranting. And um, <laughs> they said, we can't do anything with it without change. You need to have a switch put in. So I said, right, can you put a switch in? No, there's not enough properties there. You've only got two houses and it needs to be a four apartment before we do that. Right, okay. Well, that's not a problem. I don't mind having to pay for it because I want this system in, please. And um, yeah, they told me, no, we don't do private work. Oh, you're kidding me. So I got a third party so, person. Where, where are you now then? Third party's been out. They charged me a fortune more than the Sky Q installation to install the switch, get it all running. And then today the Sky guy came out and all he was meant to do is put a box in. But what he does is hook up his meter. His meter doesn't show a reading. So he walks off and it's like, you're right, okay. I speak to the, the guy that installed the system and he goes, no, it doesn't. The switch sometimes can be interfered with these readings, so it's a case of you have to put a Sky Q box in. <sighs> so there, that's the now one, two, four wasted days, and no further forward. I just need basically a guy coming out tomorrow just to confirm that the the signal's definitely coming through to all the bits in the house, and then I've got to try and convince a Sky Q installer not to fob me off and just. Try a box. Try the box. Put the box on. But I am fast losing faith. Gotta love it. <laughs> oh dear, that does sound like an ongoing saga. We'll uh, we'll find out whether or not you get it fixed by next week. Hopefully. I might even have a bathroom. Oh, no, I'm not going to have a bathroom by next week. But Simon is working extremely hard, and we're at the stage now where we're actually going to start rebuilding the room. So yeah, now I've <laughs> I've seen this room. I've seen it in various different states of uh, um, layout and demolishment and rebuild. Yeah, and, and it's going, it's not so bad. We've got the wall down, we're plumbing's now into the walls. The flooring solution has been um, worked out. Change to Virgin Media, what do you mean press red button for crash? That, that system. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 we don't want crash turning up. Well, exactly. <laughs> <clears throat> Jeez. Greetings, Commanders! It's just John I'm, sure there's an I'm sorry, I'm sorry. locally that just ears pricked up. Was that James Vigo? I'm very sorry, John. <laughs> no, you'll pay for that one. <laughs> Probably. 
Oh yeah, don't get me started on it. So yeah, that that was today. Not a good day in that respect. Especially oh, don't get you started. I think we're a bit late. It's a bit late for that. I'm just realising all my emails are now flashing up on the Twitch stream. Hold on a second, I'm going to close all that down. Yeah, Sci-Fi Man is recommending the Acme Home Builder guys from Looney Tunes, <laughs> as recommended by Wiley Coyote. Uh, okay, Grant. Whilst you calm down, uh, Colin, what have you been up to, bud? <laughs> you come to me yeah. <laughs> well let's see um, it's been a rather fraught week um, and I, I now cycle to and from work and catch the, and, and on top of catching the tram so at the moment every part of my legs hurt <laughs> in the I suppose I'm getting fit type way um, in game um, I've been joining in with the canon uh, the canon community goals and just basically racking up the the, the credits for that. Um, but apart from that, everything else has just been basically business as usual. So I've got to stop get, going onto the forums and, and arguing against basically idiots because they've they've got a lot more experience than me when the, and they drag you down to their level and then beat you with experience and being trolls. Yeah, I, I, I seem to have lost my touch of being the Billy Goat Gruff. How far is the, um, the cycling to work? Uh, well, I'm doing about uh, sort of like 25 to 30 miles a week, which is a lot more than I used to. <laughs> and you say also on the tram, is this like a normal mountain bike on the tram, or have you got one of those wonderful sort of fold-up bikes like a Brompton? Oh, no, I risk, I, I risk the, the, the bike at the tram park. Which... Aha. Yes. So basically, there's this this fantastic um, cycling hub thing, which you pay a tenner for a year. They give you a card, you swipe it, and you put it into this. This basically what looks like glass greenhouse, and you can leave your bike there. You come and pick it up after the tram, and then you cycle home. The, the only problem is is that there's about a hundred foot drop from my house to the tram stop, so that means there's a hundred foot climb on the way back home. <laughs> Just when you don't want it. <laughs> Thus, sore legs. <laughs> cool. Okay. Um, ben, what have you been up to, sir? Uh, I've also been cycling into work. Um, for mine has been probably, a, well, I don't know if it's maybe a nicer can, uh, commute for than Collins because I'm now, I've changed my route, so I've added about a mile onto my journey. But now instead of going along nasty, horrible main roads, I'm basically going along a canal about three quarters of the way and then back roads almost to my office so it's, it makes for a much nicer uh, cycle but it is as i said it's about a mile longer um i've also been i went to the alien prelude yeah the, well alien kind of what the Covenant. heck is going yeah what Covenant, the heck is going yes. on here kind of thing and without spoilers Oh, it's an alien movie. What do you expect? Uh, it, it's a Ripley Scott alien movie, so read into that what you will. So is it basically a rehash of the first alien? I wish it were. Oh, okay. Yeah, I. I it raised more questions than answers, shall we say. Like Prometheus did. Yeah, um, I did. I did like. I'm not giving any spoilers away than saying that David's character is back on, and you know I did like his. You know the androids are. Are definitely a highlight of it. Um, the big when the landing the 
the human vessel was kind of cool. You know, some nice special effects there. There's a, I, I, oh, there was one of, there was like a, a little baby new, newly hatched alien or newly chest busted alien, which was really cute. And I almost, I almost want to see that as a pop figure. You know how you got like the baby <laughs> yeah, groups. The... I want a baby alien pop pop figure. I'm sure it'll be out. Um, that's it. You want an alien baby wob- uh, bobblehead, don't you? Put that. That'd be kind. Of, yeah, that'd be kind of cool. As well. I mean, a face hugger bobblehead would be awesome as well. Not sure that lends itself to it. Probably not. No, oh, no, it could be like the oh, like the Coriolis we've got on our on our dashboard. So you know, it's like sitting up on its tail, yeah, and then it wob- it wobbles as the the face hugger. Um. I mean, it wasn't a bad movie, but it definitely left a "what the heck is going off here" kind of moment. Is that sort of uh, without again without spoilers? But is that sort of tying yeah. into another film coming up? God, I hope so. <laughs> well, you see, the problem I've got with the alien stuff, especially the Prometheus stuff, and basically anything done by Ridley Scott now, and this this isn't ageist or anything, but the guy is getting on. You know, he's getting on to be doing these big projects and leaving all these uh, these unanswered questions. It's George R. R. Martin I'm more worried about. No, George R. R. Martin, you make a good point. However, the good thing about the George R. R. Martin thing is he has given the end of the plot to the guys that are making the Game of Thrones TV series. <laughs> so even if he keels over and you know we wouldn't want to wish that on anybody especially not the guy who hasn't finished writing the series yet um but if he was to pass away beforehand i do believe there is a there is a, a safe with the 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 rest of the uh, series all sort of oh, and mapped out yeah his notes are all there and the guys from uh, hbo also know how uh, how it's supposed to sort of pan out or at least the version of it pans out. So that's that's I'm not as concerned about as I was before the TV show mm. uh, caught up and, in fact, overtook George. <laughs> yeah, it's overtook now, hasn't it? Um, talking about, well, books and overtaking things, I'm loving The Expanse still. Um, I'm yeah, back on I'm to, behind. Uh, the audiobooks of that. Because, um, you know, I kind of felt the need for listening to the audiobooks before we get to fi- we officially get season two over in the UK, nice. Um, and I'm glad that we've got enough. season th- season three coming out is confirmed for filming, which is going to be awesome. So hold on I... a second, I've watched season two. Or I am watching season no, two. C- yeah, I wouldn't admit that live on air and under recording, uh, Fozzer. I spend a lot of time traveling all over the world um, and sort of catch it oh, whenever so I'm you anywhere. You've it when you're in America. Absolutely, if it's not out gotcha. here. Yet. Gotcha. Gotcha. Right. Time, brilliant. Uh, yes, and it, it's good. Yes. Uh, it is good. Um, yes, but so I'm only on book one of the Expanse, so uh, the other books are really awesome. Yeah, um, uh, and so the um, like the mini stories that the novellas that they've got as well, they're also really good. Um, mm. so there's a lovely one uh, called the Churn, which is basically all about Amos's pre his life whilst he was growing up in Baltimore. Cool. Uh, before he becomes a, a rock hopper. Well, as Alan Stroud is doing more of the uh, Data Slate series, running up to LaveCon uh, with some of the people that are going to be appearing at LaveCon, he's doing some special uh, Data Slate podcasts. Maybe you can muscle your way over there and start talking about The Expanse again. Mm. It is a possibility. I, I'm definitely enjoying it. It's really, it's a lovely, it's a great series. Really like it. Yeah. And no. Can I give a shout out? The the 
their the official podcast for the series, uh, which is called The Churn, and has got like the cast of the show and things like that, and it's done by Sci-Fi. Oh, cool! That's that's actually a really really good podcast. Going into, it's got Ty and Daniel, the authors of The Expanse, on it every week. And it's got like the cast and crew show up and things like that. It's a really good podcast, sort of going in tied in with obviously the oh the US releases of the episodes. Yeah. So well worth a listen to. I will check that out as soon as I start watching the UK um, series. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, uh, moving on. Anything else exciting? Just doing stuff in C- in the CG like Colin. Okay, so we'll talk about the CG when we talk about the uh, what's going on in in game. So, um, what have I been up to? I have uh, I've got a new piece of tech actually. I've only got picked it up this morning, and that is the uh, the brand new Gear VR for the Samsung, the latest line of the Samsung phones, so the Samsung Galaxy S8 Plus in uh, in my case, um, and it's got the uh, the new controller. Now, I did have. I'm not sure if you actually want to admit this on air, uh, but I did have the Galaxy Note 7 and managed to escape without having half my face blown off by it. Um, but that one actually came with a Gear VR, and I thought it was it was it was reasonably impressive. Uh, and I got a a wireless controller for that, which sort of like a joypad thing. But no, it, it still didn't feel you know as good as the sort of the, the standard Oculus that we've tried before at LaveCon or the you know, or the uh, or the Vive. Um, but the latest iteration with the Samsung controller, they're actually starting to get there, and it's a lot of fun. Um, so there's a game, I've only just tried it out one game, but it's a um, sort of like a Western uh, saloon shootout, and you use the controller as your, your six-shooter, uh, and you can see it hovering up on screen, so when you move your hand, your hand on in Gear VR moves as well, um, and you've got sort of like a laser sight to, to shoot the, the, uh, the dead ghost cowboys. Um, but to reload it, you basically you flick your hand. So if you're right-handed, you flick your hand to the left to open the gun chamber. So the gun chamber opens and starts spinning and all the empty bullet shells come out. And then you flick your wrist back the other way and it closes the chamber and that's how you reload and you're off to shoot again. Um, and it just works really, really nicely. Uh, it's never going to be you know, as good as an Oculus or a Vive, but you know, for, for something that only cost me 80 quid, I thought that was actually... Um, quite a quite a cool piece of kit so i will uh, i'll be playing a little bit more with that and then colin you've obviously got the the oculus thrift series on top mm-hmm. shift haven't you so yeah. off the top of your head can you remember which episode i need to uh, to download in order to catch up Ooh. with that oh uh off the top of my head no i can't <laughs> somewhere between episode 80 and episode 120 or something like that i haven't reached 120 i've only reached 91 at the moment <laughs> 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 okay, so maybe we're at episode sixty or something is probably where it, it I should probably start. Late, probably late seventies, I think. All right, I'll check it out. Um, but yeah, so it'll be cool to try and see what the, uh, the what new gear VR works like in terms of uh, using it as a as an extra peripheral for Elite Dangerous. Um, mm. Speaking about Elite Dangerous, the reason that three of us are absolutely knackered, um, we had great fun yesterday. Uh, myself, Ben, Grant, and Mr. Jarvis. Uh, playing a very long extended session of the Elite Dangerous RPG with, uh, with Oliver and uh, John from Spider Spider Mind Games. Uh, the idea being that we're going to try and do a uh, a serial um, following the adventures of the crew 
Uh, we're going to do it in probably about three or four episodes leading up to LaveCon with the final scene of the adventure actually taking place live at LaveCon as well. Um, and it was. It was a long session. We started, what time did we start? About 8 o'clock and finished at about 1.30 this morning, something like that. Something crazy like that, yeah. Um, but uh, is this extra, full of extra bran? With it being in my cereal. <laughs> full of fibre. Definitely full of fibre. It's full of a lot of stuff, actually. Uh, no most salt. of it couldn't be, uh, couldn't be left in. We had to edit most of it out. <laughs> um, so, yeah. But uh, for those people That's that have... For those people that have been um, interested in the EDRPG who have backed it on Kickstarter, uh, make sure you uh, you check out those episodes. Jarvis is currently uh, working his magic with the Radio Theatre Workshop crew and doing some sound effects and adding a bit of atmosphere to the actual uh, playthrough as well. And for those people that have backed, um, you should have seen, at least I certainly saw today, that Spider-Man Games have sent an update out on Kickstarter with their pledge backer manager tool basically the stuff that allows you to uh, to add your extra bits and pieces onto your pledge so if you fancied getting a um a games master uh cutout sheet and things like that then you can head over there and check it out cool okay so anybody else got anything they want to add anything else that's been interesting that they've been going on in their lives or in game out game <laughs> No, fine. In which case, let's crack on uh, with the development news. And the main development news for this episode is going to be the announcement of a release date for the PlayStation 4. So, obviously, we knew it was coming to the PlayStation 4. Uh, we knew that from PAX. Um, but uh, we've only now just got a date for it. So, the information that we've got is it's coming out on the 27th of June, which I have to admit is sooner than I thought it was going to be coming out. Um so pre-orders are available in the EU at the moment, and then the US pre-orders will start later this month. Uh, it will only cost £20, 20 of your good English pounds, if you want the Elite Dangerous starter pack. This obviously doesn't include um, Horizons. If you want the full-on robot chubby, uh, if you want the full pack, that is uh, £39.99, and that will include uh, Horizons. That's the Commander Deluxe Edition. Um, so the physical disc, Legendary Edition, Oh, it'd be nice to actually go into the shop and buy a version of Elite. Um, that will cost, uh, I think, the same $39.99, but it will also have a 1,000 Frontier points to spend on in-game items. Now, Where the did interest they say that? I missed that. That's what I've got down here. I blame the guy who writes the show notes, which is normally That's you. That's <laughs> not in the show notes that I'm reading. Physical Disc Legendary Edition contains Elite Dangerous and the Horizons Pass, as well as 1,000 Frontier points to spend on in-game items. And there's no sign of the pricing there. Well, I'm guessing it's going to be £39.99. <laughs> like doing a speculation podcast if you're going to try and give out genuine real-time information that's accurate. Don't, don't go and give poor Sandro or Ed or Zach a heart attack. He's hey, saying it's going to be 40 quid. No timelines, no guaranteed on the price for the physical disc legendary edition. Don't hold us to it. Yeah. This podcast is never usually accurate. Um, the interesting thing that has come out, though, is that you can do uh, remote play via the PlayStation Vita uh, with more details closer to the launch. Now, I have got a PlayStation Vita, and it is on a shelf gathering dust. Uh, I'm wondering what it would be like to play Elite Dangerous in the bedroom whilst it's playing downstairs on the um, on the uh, on the console. Do you think, yeah, just speculating wildly, do you think it's going to be 
a game that lends itself to a small PlayStation uh, Vita type screen? No. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, tell me why. Because it's going to be itty bitty tiny. um, I don't know if you. I guess I mean it'll be better than nothing. But I've tried. Unless you can strap it to your face (laughs) and make it out to be a headset, (laughs) I don't think it'll be of any good whatsoever. If it's not hard, then it's probably a nice little gimmick. Look, I know I said I was going to be playing with it in the bedroom, but I want nothing that I want to strap on my head, and I want nothing that's hard. Now, pack it in, the pair of you. I, I don't know. I mean, did you see that? Oh, the 3D printed Imperial Cutter for the bedroom. A what now? Oh, no, Ben, just leave that alone. Walk Jeez. away from the cutter. What's happened that, to that our was a show? There was a beautiful, beautiful 3D cutter, a uh, 3D printed cutter that was, that it looked absolutely amazing. You're right, it did, and then people suggested that the guy's wife could use it for various <laughs> things. I didn't suggest that. <laughs> to which we had to actually explain that word for word to one of the, the more vocal members of the community on Reddit. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, that's wrong on so many levels. <laughs> it's like farting in a lift. Oh, dear. I think it's worse than that. Um, speaking of other things that was cropped up in the internet, have you seen the uh, the parody of Airplane with the uh, was it the the dolphin or the blue liner? Uh, the blue, um, yeah, the blue the big one. Yeah, no, the orca. Was no, it the, no, it's the blue The blue is the biggest one, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Either way, it was very yeah. funny. It was very well done. Um, we'll try and find uh, try and find a, a link to that and shove it in the show notes. But it was it was basically the the airplane. Um, film poster where the airplane that's sort of tied itself in knots uh, replaced with a beluga uh, but very very cleverly done uh, we should probably give credits to the guy who did it but I have absolutely no idea who did it so we'll, we'll shove that in the show notes um, so it's a thumbs down for the remote play via the Playstation Vita um, it's got a reasonably high resolution screen um, you'd probably be able to get away with doing certainly some trade runs and stuff in it I don't Especially think if you were hanging around in the Mobius group. I don't think it's that bad. You know, the small screens are... I think we just become spoiled. I mean, okay, you have to say that to enjoy the full, you know, beauty of the game, you want the sort of larger screen you can get. And um, in that respect, you need to project it. Um, but I think the little Vita screen's quite nice. And, and even the Wii Switch is quite a nice screen for playing the games on... You know, as a temp, as a sort of tablet themselves, it just will be very tricky to get the the sort of controls into it. Yeah, I mean, it is definitely lacking something in terms of um, configurable joysticks and stuff for it. But yeah, I mean, um, if, you, if you make it easy not- just to do transport and, and you know docking and and the menu interactions, uh, which I think the Vita would be more than up to, then I, I can see me flying to Hutton in my bed. Yeah, and that's the thing. I would, I would almost buy the game on PlayStation just to have a, you know, wander around the house, sit on the couch, and you know, whilst the the missus watches Holby City or whatever it is that she's watching, and still be able to sit there and sort of pretend I'm interacting with her, whilst at the same time playing Elite Dangerous on the uh, on the couch. Um, it's almost worth the forty pounds just to be able to do that. Surely, I'm on my own, aren't I? Okay, fine. Let's move on. 
Um, so touch navigation. So again, this is a, an area where the PlayStation has uh, has an edge on the the Xbox, and the fact that obviously the PlayStation controllers do have that built-in touchpad, so it can be used for the same way that you'd use a mouse in the, the PC version. So, you know, it makes navigating the uh, the Galaxy map a lot easier if you can just use a, you know, the swipe gestures to move yourself around that map and the pinch and zoom uh, works really, really quite nicely on the PlayStation controller. Um, so you can also get some extra controls because I can customize the, the four additional touchpad buttons into hotkeys to suit your own play style. And uh, fast head look. Yes, that's... track your enemies in the heat of combat. So what's this one talking about? Well, basically that's hold, uh, using the gyroscopes within the, the controller itself. So the you tilt the, head, the, the controller back, it's like your head moving, looking up. So um, it does allow you to... This is the one thing that I really miss from the Xbox version is using an ED tracker in order to track my, uh, my opponents. And you've, you've, you've actually got that without any extra controls built into the handset. So uh, it's, that's definitely one for the plus on the, on the PlayStation there, I think. Are there no um, accelerometers in the Xbox One? Not the links to that, no. Interesting. I thought there were. I thought well, both, the, uh, both the consoles had uh, accelerometers in the, in the controllers. Yeah. Interesting. So go on. No, that's basically it. So basically, you can look around your cockpit the same way you do with your uh, your ED tracker, or uh, there are you know your your point of view thing on the joystick, or or your track IR. You can just use, enable that on your handset, but just by moving the handset left and right uh, without touching any of the controls, your commander will look left and right. Yeah, I think it gives the the PlayStation players a, a distinct advantage if they if they get involved in in any inter uh, inter console rivalry rivalry uh that's a good question actually i take it these are going to be separate servers from the xbox um server or is it shoving all the console guys in the same pot um well it's the same i think it is the same setup instantly for every instance you're only going to be able to play with playstation players however you're actions on the galaxy simulator will be reflected across the whole thing so everybody pc mac, uh, mac xbox and uh ps4 will be affected in the galactic simulation but um unfortunately i don't think uh, we can all shoot each other down just yet well i mean i can Although understand why they can't play against rumors, haven't there well, I was going to say, I understand why they can't play against the PC guys, but, uh, you know, consoles are just consoles, so surely that's an easy one. Surely that's just a switch. Right. Okay. Um, <laughs> can I just underline that Fozza said that, please? Uh, just, just someone, please take it in the notes. It was Fozza, not me. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, what else have we got? So... Uh, so June the just to remind you, it's June the twenty seventh that that is coming to the uh, the PlayStation Four, and obviously I'm sure they're going to make a few more announcements closer to the uh, closer to the time. Um, you'd Ooh, like to say hey. something, Ben? Oh, before we move on, Fozzer, I'm actually a wee bit concerned because it's coming out on the twenty seventh of June, mm-hmm. and if I remember correctly, when the PlayStation came in, oh, sorry, when the Xbox came in. It was coming out into early access. Yeah. 
or whatever the Xbox's equivalent of early access was. Yes. And PlayStation is coming straight in with here is the full version of the game, not here's an early access thing what for a couple of months while we test it out. You know, that's is something I'm a little bit antsy about, maybe. I might be not that might not be called for, but I'm a wee bit antsy over it. Well, you, 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 well, they haven't said it's part of any early access scheme. It's, it's supposed to be the, the full 2.3 release. There was oh. a little bit of confusion on the forums because they all thought that, oh, does that mean that we all get 2.4 at the same time? But um, no, it, according to the David Braben AMA, uh, it was a case of, yes, the PlayStation gets 2.3 uh, yeah. or that gets the game up to 2.3 and when 2.4 comes along it gets the they get the update for free just like everybody else who's paid yeah. for horizons but uh, there was a little bit of over excitement on the forums where everyone thought oh that means 2.4 is going to be released soon <laughs> to which everyone just went i don't really think so no but if they buy the um if they buy the full pack if they buy the horizons pack that will um grant them access to 2.4 the same as everybody else i take it yeah, it's yeah. just it's just the potential lack of PlayStation Beta that we don't see any sign of at the moment. Yeah, but I mean, that, I'm sure they're going to have some things to uh, to drop. I mean, that's just the main announcements, isn't it? They've got they said they're going to have uh, more information closer to the time. So, yeah, uh, I'm sure we'll start seeing. Um, does anyone on the PlayStation does PlayStation have the equivalent of early access or green light and things like that? Pretty sure it does. Although I have to admit, it's been a while since I've been on my PlayStation Four, but I'm pretty sure there is something similar. Right. I, I I don't know. I hope I hope it does, and I hope if it does, it comes out on that first, because otherwise that's that's kind of scary. I think. Oh, you're just used to the better the beta period, aren't you? You just want that, yeah. that wonderful beta blanket to wrap yourself up in. I mean, the game was pretty advanced when uh, when they were demoing it at PAX. Uh, it was seemed to be quite good, quite stable, quite far oh, along. So, yeah, maybe they they don't need a beta period. I think I think that's famous last words because we always we all know how things change when you release them to the wild. That's true. And the one thing that is missing from this, um, well, a few things that are missing from this, but certainly the one of the things that stood out for me that is missing from this was the mention of any sort of VR. So the PlayStation Virtual Reality Kit um, wasn't mentioned at all. And you would think if there was going to be one flagship game uh, to launch the PlayStation VR with, it would be Elite Dangerous. I think Frontier have always worded that very, very cagely, I thought. It's like, yes, Elite Dangerous is an awesome VR game. We think it would be really brilliant, but we're not telling you we're doing it yet. Yeah, and that sort of suggests to me that there might be a big announcement in the uh, in the wings uh, around that, because um, it it would it would shift units uh, if you oh, could God demo yes. the the PlayStation VR working brilliantly in Elite Dangerous. It, that yeah. would be absolutely awesome if it did. Well, there's there's an awful lot of No Man's Sky players out there who have been looking over slightly jealously at uh, the Xbox and the PC version, going, "When do we have a go?" So, welcome aboard, gentlemen, <laughs> and, and occasionally ladies. But, I mean, uh, the other thing you've obviously got with the PlayStation is that you've got the PlayStation and you've got the PlayStation Pro. Yep. Um, 
what implications do we have for the PlayStation Pro? I mean, they're talking 4K? about four. Well, exactly. So, four K gaming. Considering what sort of rig you need to run four K Elite Dangerous, do we think that it's going to be something that they offer a pro version of the game? I think it would just be if you have the PlayStation Pro, come and get four K. If or you'll get a higher resolution I don't version so. of Elite, just like yeah. You think you think they'd pay more for it? No, no, I don't think the. The pro hardware is going to be necessarily a, a sort of 4K version of the game. I would imagine it would be uh, stepped up. You know, the the PlayStation would do the stepping up for it and take it just a sort of 1080, but it would give the leeway for VR. So I think the likelihood mm. is that Elite VR would be on the pro only. Possibly yeah. again, that's total speculation. But that's where my head was as well. In yeah. terms of needing the extra hardware to run VR, I mean, looking at looking at your rig, Grant, when you're running on 4K and stuff, uh, I think you're, you're still quite a way away from the uh, the PlayStation 4 uh, Pro specs, aren't you? I think you're still quite a, a long way ahead of them. Um, it is possible. It is possible. Yeah, certainly because I've now they've got the two, the 1080 Ti now. So, yeah, I don't think it's quite up to that spec. But again, you know, we don't know what uh, what Frontier have been able to do behind the scenes. So maybe there's been a certain amount of um, streamlining, there's a certain amount of optimizations gone on, and maybe maybe it is possible to uh, to run 4K Elite Just Dangerous no. on the Pro. No, because it's going to cost me. I'm going to have to find a 4K projector, <laughs> <laughs> and that's thousands. That's that's a heck of an investment. Um, and yeah. But, you know, I think if SkyQ ever gets installed, <laughs> that might be two strikes against getting a 4K projector, and then I'm never going to get rid of anyone from my house. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, Ooh, okay. Commander Red, the 13th of the Commander Reds, um, has said the VR rig does not need the PS Pro. No, we don't think it does need the PS Pro. Uh, the VR rig works fine on the current PS. What we're suggesting is for the optimum video output to the VR rig, it might want it to be pro only um, just to take advantage of the slightly bigger resolution in order to split it across the headsets. However, it works. Don't know, we've not looked at it yet because I've not had a chance to play with PlayStation VR. Um, so that's what, kind of what we're suggesting is that there may well be a VR version on the standard PlayStation 4, um, but it might be at a slightly lower resolution. Don't know, we're mm. just guessing. If it does 4K and Elite in 4K, it is stunning. It is stunning, and you should all ditch your PCs and go and buy a PlayStation 4. <laughs> um, on a completely sort of, uh, well, off on a tangent, I would, I would have an issue now going back to the stars. I would have an issue going back to your Cobra with 100 credits, having spent so much time in the PC version, building up my character, I'm not sure I'm ready to be a pleb again. I'm not Trust sure me, I actually, could actually do it. I, I went through the same thing with the Xbox, and to be honest, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Really? <laughs> it doesn't yeah, take... I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yep. It doesn't take you too long now. No, not at all. It's really quick to get your money back up and get into a decent ship. Hmm. But mind you, I'm really enjoying flying a sidewinder at the moment. I'm supposed to be a bit of a masochist that way. Yeah, but the question is, how long have that? Uh, it doesn't take you long to get back to where you were before. How long would I actually spend trying to figure out a game controller for it, as opposed to the hot ass? 
Well, that's that is the main thing about the uh, the Xbox is <laughs> is getting the muscle memory back for the uh, when you switch controllers because that oh, that's an absolute pain. And oh, at yeah, least well, the PlayStation's got the hot ass support. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. it does have the hot ass support, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, it also explains why the the shiny sidey, which uh, I'm flying all the way out to Colonia at the moment, is now down to eighty percent instead of the usual hundred. <laughs> oh, you're blaming that on the games controller, are you? Well, you only have to watch Top Shift to see. <laughs> I don't have to blame. I don't have to pretend to blame the controller. <laughs> right. Um, anything else people want to jump in on about the PlayStation Four announcement before we move on to some of the other stuff that's been going on? Well, I can just see that um, our uh, Red 13 is definitely suggesting that it's only a 4K difference between the models, so uh, anything else is pure conjecture. Which is, you know, that's what we, we specialise in. So, you know, <laughs> where we, don't, we don't have any facts now. We're looking forward to that information. Um, and the other sort of hidden secret that's still with Frontier that we might, we're just waiting to hear about is that movie franchise. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, the game that they're working on behind the scenes. Um, have we, we must have done an entire episode on speculation about what movie franchise that could be, have we? Or have we just done that in our own pirate cr- uh, chat group? No, I think we did. We did I, do it on a, on a show, and with Crikey, there's so many people that were you know, coming up with all kinds of things, but it was that long-running problem that really put the cat amongst the pigeons. Yeah. Spider-Man. James Bond. Was, James, uh, James Bond was my suggestion, but somebody, someone was poo-pooing it because it's not a Hollywood, Hollywood associated, a Hollywood associated film. I was just thinking, I'll think in Jurassic Park moment. I wasn't, uh, but some people were. No, Avatar. Teenage Avatar Ninja was Turtles. a suggestion, but that's not long running. So again, it's really, it's really interesting because um, that's really quite exciting. So I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe we can. There we go. Red X. Sony have adamantly said the Pro makes no difference for VR. I think it's important that if we can, someone who knows better than us that we get their words <laughs> out on air so that we don't <laughs> mi- mislead anybody whatsoever. So the only difference between the Pro and the current is the 4K potential. However, I'm not, we're not, as we say, we don't know how Frontier's going to tackle it, but if you're confident that there will only be a 4K difference, then Elite in 4K is freaking stunning it's kind of seeing a little plastic model spinning in front of you rather than a computer generated uh, uh, sort of station it's just stunning <clears throat> so definitely worth looking into okay well we should watch this space with bated breath um, certainly the VR thing I think would be really exciting if they can manage to get a decent representation of the game coming through um, you know just the standard PlayStation 4 with VR uh, that's definitely going to shift units um, it might even tempt me to shift uh, shift onto the VR for the PlayStation after all. Um, okay, so uh, what we're going to quickly move on to before, I was going to ask you guys, had you managed to see, um, sticking with the PlayStation theme, on the PlayStation blog, David Braben did a really nice um, article saying, uh, My Life in Games? Yes, I, I had a good read of that, because mostly I'm reading through it thinking, yeah, I played that game, I played that game, I played that game, I feel very old. I was going to say, because, I mean, you're both in your 50s now, aren't you? So, um... <laughs> Let's just start with a snapper. Not saying a word. Forum Dazrul. 
<laughs> well, you don't get a bigger forum dad than David Braben. Let's be honest; he is the dad of us all. So, especially when it comes to uh, it comes to elite. So, what what were his games, Colin? What's uh, what's his favourites? Well, going through the the list, um, his, his favourite old school game was Defender, which I must admit I I, I am completely and utterly in agreement with because Defender back in the the early eighties was the game. To play down the arcade, <laughs> yeah. And uh, even even though I've, I've I've actually used some of the sound effects from Defender in my own games, so it's a bit of a tribute. <laughs> Defender wasn't the one that you had the uh, the rolly bally thing. Uh, that was Missile no. Command, wasn't it? No, that was Missile Command. This is one where you you had an up down joystick, a thrust button, a fire button, and a smart bomb and a hyperspace. And ah, that Defender, yes, absolutely. Yes. And you had to defend these little people uh, who on who lived on on a, the bottom of the screen from landers who would take them up to the top of the screen and if they did then those little people get eaten and turn the landers into mutants which are absolute bastards and i'm all right in thinking you could shoot the aliens if they were sort of dragging them up screen and if you could catch the guys before they got to the bottom you could save them if they were, if not they went splat yes or is that just the spectrum version no no no, no that's that's uh, that's the arcade version yes and it it was blindingly fast i've got it on my ipad now um, really it, yeah williams williams did a um uh, there's this app on the ipad called the williams arcade so you've got all these old school games like gauntlet and um uh, spy hunter and, and defender and all those old school midway classics they're all on this one app uh, and and basically, I was trying to play Defender on that, and basically, it was kicking my bum. <laughs> uh, yet again, I think the forum dad re- de- reflexes are, are not what they were. What uh, what other standout games did he put on these lists? Well, and we had this at Livecom last year, Gang Beasts. Gang Beasts, awesome, brilliant. Yeah, oh, he's gone up in my estimations. He, he said that was absolutely fantastic because basically. It was it was just a fantastic party game, which which we all enjoyed playing because basically we were half cut playing uh, people who were drunk fighting. Yeah, no, absolutely, <laughs> and I, I would be very surprised if there would be a oh, uh, any Lavecon experience going forward that didn't have at least some appearance of gang beasts in at some point during the weekend. Yeah, uh, I mean the other thing that he was saying is they asked him what was the last game you saw the end credits for, and he said. Everybody's Gone to Rapture, which is a very, very strange game. I, I don't think I've ever heard of it. But he did say um, there was something about numbered stations in Elite Dangerous. You might want to write those numbers down. Really? Yeah, there's a little bit yeah. of, a, of a quote there. And I don't know whether he's referring to the, you know, those satellites that, that pump out Morse code at the bottom or the top of the hour, or whether he's on about codes which are elsewhere on, on stations. Yeah, but well, he's saying we've got numbered stations, like, and that's that's very different, I'd say, from those um, num- those satellites. You reckon? Because um, I'd say so. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah otherwise, have- why, why would he say stations? Well, I suppose. But then again, Michael Brooks was got on the got on the forums to try and clarify the issue and basically uh-huh. confused us a little bit more. <laughs> as he does. As he does. Yeah, a nice bit of obs- obfuscation there. Thank you very much, Mr. Brooks. Mm-hmm. They do like teasing us, don't they? Mm. 
Uh, last game soundtrack he enjoyed listening to was uh, Portal, Still Alive, which yeah. I think everybody loves that. Yeah, no, I could agree with that. Um, anything else he was adding on to his list, or was that it? Was it the, the top three? Four. Uh, that was basically top three. I mean, the game that wanted him to be a developer, and this I can just see this being completely David Brayman, is it wasn't actually a game. It was the Animal Learning Program, <laughs> <laughs> which featured in the operational manual for the Acorn Atom. And it was that which basically kicked off his whole interest in, in development. <laughs> so, well, hmm. I, you know. That's fair enough. Um, speaking about development, Sandy has uh, mentioned a little bit more on the uh, on the bounty hunter system. Um, ah, well, yes, the bounty hunter speculations, as usual, no ETA, no guarantee. <laughs> what uh, what's he been saying? Well, um, there's been a couple of things that he's been. Um, uh, we've been there's been a lot of discussions, actually pleasant discussion, believe it or not, uh, about. Um, basically, a, the karma system that he's proposed, or uh, to help with moderating uh, unreasonable behaviour like combat logging and uh, griefing newbies. And to tell you the truth, it seems to be coming across quite positively. But one of the things that um, was highlighted was that he's commented that some kind of bounty hunter tracking system where players can track. Um, other players that have huge bounties on them has been on the big list for some time, and but the, and they are looking at at it. Um, it's one of these things that um, he would like to see in the game, but it's a case of when he get when they get time. So basically, if you've got a bounty, or maybe a player can put a bounty on you or pay a certain amount of money, um, your icon appears on everybody's galaxy map. That seemed to be the. It was it was something to do with either bounty hunter tracking limpets or yes your oh. your commander will appear on uh, on the galaxy map and on the scanner for everybody, uh, which I thought would, was fantastic. <laughs> the question Although is, I, I, how many blips would we then see on our galaxy? How I mean, would we t- would we then have a galaxy map that was just you know thousands or hundreds of hotspots all over? I'm not sure. Is there a large potential? Is there a lot of people out there with bounties on or not? Well, depend. It depends on how big the bounty you want to set it to. I mean, we've we've seen how flexible the galaxy map can be. Mm. So you can obviously the default option will be off, and then you probably be able to select. Okay, show me everybody with a bounty over. I don't know, a hundred thousand credits, and then ping. There you go. Oh. <laughs> Pack your bags. We're going on a witch hunt. That would be brilliant, wouldn't it? So anybody oh, over a million, you, you have all these hotspots all over the galaxy map for people that have got you know ten thousand to thirty thousand credits. It goes down when it goes to fifty to a hundred, and then you you jack it all the way up to the top. And you know what was hundreds of hotspots suddenly just go down to three. There's three people with bounties over a million credits on them, and the whole oh. galaxy is just deciding to get the guns out and go and try and catch them. That would be awesome. That would be great gameplay. That, that, and that's the kind of thing that um, some of the more griefer groups want. Mm. So, yes. Look out, Mr. Twatty Slaughter. We're coming for you. <laughs> and again, the idea of a bounty, even the bounty hunter limpet, um, having a tracking limpet on you, um, I think adds an element of gameplay, which I'd be up for as well. Yeah, it has a certain amount of skill level involved in being able to actually plant the tracker on the, uh, on the ship. 
Um, maybe do it stealthily. I don't know. I mean, would we? Yeah, I suppose you wouldn't know if you had one of those things on. Yeah. Well, like I said, um, it's all speculation at the moment. They're spitballing ideas about it, and uh, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see what comes out of it. We do know that two uh, two point four. The one thing that we do know about two point four is they are looking at the crime and punishment system again. But what comes out of that, I don't know. Okay, um, generation ships. So there has been six found so far. Um, there has been some speculation. I won't say how the people have uh, speculated. If I managed to get the uh, the speculation or the data, um, but there is speculation that there are ten missing ships in total. So potentially another four to find. Uh, ben, have you been up on this story? I've been flying around them, so I haven't had a chance to go and visit the couple of more recent ones. But there was a lovely, lovely video that Commander... Josh Hawkins. Oh, yeah, Josh Hawkins went off and did. He did a lovely video with that. Uh, And there's also a really good thread in the forums, which I think we linked into last week as well, Um, which is basically it's a summary of all the six missing ships. And gives you their audio logs and things like that, um, just to tell you how to find them if you want to go hunting for them yourselves. But Because there's not been any new ones found this week, has there? Not this week, no. No, so there might be four more, but we ain't found them yet, and we ain't found a hint for them yet, unfortunately. I mean, the data link scanner that's on, on our ships at the moment, yeah. is that the... That's the um, the only way. Have you, has anybody tried using them on anything else except the um, these generation ships? I want to take my ship down to a do- to a planet now and see if I can use it there. You know, like the same things we can use our our SRVs link scanner on. I want to see if I can mm. scan something on that. Um, I know. Yeah. I actually, I would like to use that more rather than say, you know, how when we visit the, the nav beacons and things like that, mm-hmm. and you just look at a nav beacon and it tells you more things, you know, rather than just looking at something, I'd actually like to make it a more active role and I have to go off and do the, do the proper honk, as it were, <laughs> to get the data about the system or get the... Oh, the visitor beacon and things like that. Um, but that's just, yeah, I, I would rather... Other, otherwise, we've got two systems are doing basically the same job, don't we? Well, one's up in the sky and one's down on the, down on the ground. No, I mean, in the sky we've got these new ones that we, we use a data link scanner for to get these audio logs. And then you've got the visitor beacons, which are essentially the same thing, but not audio logs. They're just text logs. But for them, you just look at them, don't you? Mm. Um, so I'd rather collab, you know, um, get everything just using the one system. And you know, frankly, I'd rather use the the data link scanner for everything rather than just looking at things and keep looking at stuff just for my ship scanning. I don't know. I think you're adding an extra level of complexity there that doesn't need to be there. Um, mm. I think just the point and point and scan automatically thing works quite nicely. It works nicely, but yeah, you know, it's just like, why would you bother having? Why not have point and scan for these other things too? Then, 
Yeah, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I would have that as well, in fairness. <laughs> the whole SRV plug-in. Unless there was actually like a physical animation of something coming out and plugging into the data slot, um, then yeah, I'd be more than happy with just a point and, point and scan as opposed to having to depress an interface. Um, cool. Okay, the other um, article that came out this week which um, caused some interest was the Eurogamer. Uh, they've done a State of Elite Dangerous. Um, now, I must admit, I, I read the fallout from this, um, and I did read that um, Canon had said that he was slightly uh, misrepresented in places about it, but I hadn't actually got around to reading the, um, the article yet. Now, Colin, I know you have. Mm-hmm. Yes, I have. Um, I, I think, well, I went through the article. First time I read it, I actually got quite annoyed because I felt it was a little bit unfair to, uh, in to Elite Dangerous, especially from the point of view said we were contacting um, well-known players and people have made an impact during the game. And you thought they're going, huh. So you've not visited the in-game Lave Radio Sidewinder then. Uh, but <laughs> apart from that, on, the, on, on a second read, and with uh, more, more, less of a fanboy venom about it, it does highlight that the you know there are things missing in Elite Dangerous. It warns people that it's not a, a straightforward shoot 'em up game; that you have to be prepared to put time in, and the the disquiet that some uh, some people have been saying that yeah, they're putting a lot of um, functionality in like multi-crew and wings but you never then have anything that you can do with it afterwards now these are, are known issues within the game and we know that Frontier are looking at them but uh, they, they've been quiet on it it's on this big list that uh, they've got on the office and uh, when they get a chance to get get through it like passenger missions and ship naming, which has taken, what, 18 months to come into the game, or almost two years to come into the game, to be honest, then then it'll end up in. I think a lot of people are forgetting that the whole thing is supposed to be, what, a 10-year project? They've said that this is, they, they hope to be still developing on this game in 10 years' time. Yeah, is that an excuse, though? I mean, oh. I think a lot of people have been pushing back and saying, you know, you can't just say it's 10 years and then... You know, not turn out any content or any radical content or the content that you said was going to be in the game early on um, because you've got a 10-year plan that you're working through. But it's not that. It's sort of everybody's there thinking, oh, but this game has so much potential. And you're there going, yes, I know it's got so much potential, but it's going to take quite a while to, re- to realise that potential. We've got, we've got the bare bones, to be honest, and they've been adding to those bare bones with more bones. if you see what i mean so yeah so at the moment i think it's a case of all the the basic structures are now in place i'm hoping that with 2.4 they'll start adding a little bit of of meat onto them bones i mean not to play um devil's advocate here but i mean do you think it there is an argument from the community um where you could say that their priority list, that uh, that big list, is maybe being off in some instances. So, take for example, power play. 
They put a mm-hmm. lot of effort into power play and the uptake just wasn't there. CQC, again, a lot of effort in CQC and the uptake hasn't been there. Would it not have been better for them to actually put their efforts, rather than doing those sort of things, putting their efforts into, oh, I don't know, uh, walking around on ships, atmospheric landings, or naming of ships, something simple, something that people have been you know, crying out for. You know, something that's just a switch. You know, so, something, something like that. I mean, is there, is there, a, is there a case to be answered uh, from the fan base in that point? Well, I, I can understand why people are saying, you know, there, there are some things there that you can see would make so much of a difference, such as, um, I don't know, uh, co-op wing missions and things like that. You know, if, if you're in a wing and you see there's a, I don't know, a co-op wing mission on the board, that that's basically the up to four people can can do, up to a, I don't know, an escort mission or something like that together. And that, that those kind of things people have been crying out for since... Um, since of course the the, the wings functionality went in, mm-hmm. um, the main problem is is that well I, this is the one problem that I have with everybody with um, getting objectivity here because I put my dev hat on when I see this <laughs> and I know how much work that is going to take and if Frontier do pull that off and they're thinking wow that that is a, an impressive piece of work. Uh, because I know how much work's going to go into it, but I don't think um, people, uh, most players like yourself, realise how much work it will probably take no, in order right. to get and, that to work. And, and that's the thing. And I mean, we always, yeah, you know, I certainly, uh, it's a running joke on this show that I always say tongue in cheek that you know it's a simple thing, it's a switch, you know, just switch it off in the back server and it'd be all fine. Um, obviously, there's a hell of a lot more to it. To that. And the more they build on this, um, you know, this simulation, this this galaxy, the the more complicated that's going to get. But um, just just to play devil's advocate once more, I mean. Eurogamer said, you know, this is not a straight-up space shooter. Um, no. Would you say that Frontier have been in the past a little bit, I don't know, that the game has been slightly misrepresented by some of the trailers that they've uh, you know, they've put out where you've got all these really fast ships flying through space station rings and doing lots of shooting and lots of sort of ships blowing up all over the place and it just looks like a, like a Twitch action shooter. Mm-hmm. Um... And when you get in the game, you obviously get a sidewinder with a thousand credits and say, you know, go and buy fish for two months and then come back. Okay, not two months, but you go buy fish and then uh, then you might be up for some combat at some point, maybe one day. You know, no, I, I agree with that to an, an extent. But what they try and do in those trailers is ensure that all the things that you can do within one trailer. So that means all that stuff is compressed. Uh, but... I must admit, the first time you go into a combat zone in your little sidewinder and you see all the ships exploding around you, um, you do feel like you're in one of those trailers. Obviously, I'm the only one that thinks that. <laughs> no, I just thought you were going to talk a little bit longer, so I had a biscuit. That was all. That's a really bad, unprofessional podcasting on my I, I, I'd say I feel more like that when I'm in, like, doing fighting in an asteroid field and things like that. Which is probably why I actually prefer doing Hazrez stuff rather than um, actual war zones. Because I, I I love doing a Hazrez in a night in an ice droid field. Oh, I must admit that's been one thing that's been good about this Canon one 
is because the if you go to the local Hazred sites where the Canon CG is, you end up fighting in some lovely ice rings, and that you do, that. and it looks so nice. It does. <laughs> Yeah, on the um, on the Canon front, guys, because I've just realised I, I skipped over it. Um, you guys have been investing quite a bit of effort into the community goal for this. For those people that have been under a rock for the last couple of weeks, um, just bring us up to date quickly as to what that Canon community goal is all about and what the rewards are and what the objectives are and what sort of fun you guys have been having in it. Well, okay, the, um, I'll just quickly summarise it. There are two. There were two community goals. One which was. Um, uh, to bring a whole lot of trading commodities to the station, Zoltan Station. Uh, and the other one was obviously a bounty hunting one to clear the Zoltan, the, that system, out of uh, pirates. Now, the trading one was that popular on Friday. It went live on the 11th. And on Friday, they were already extending it up to Tier 10 because it had almost completed and they didn't want people to to complete the the goal already uh, and I think it was still completed on Sunday uh, it, the was, it was completed I was I was desperately rushing back trying to get involved in the trading CG because it was lovely it was really nice it was a really nice really easy run to be perfectly honest which is probably why it can, was completed so quickly because um, I think it was like T was only like 16 light years away mm-hmm. and um, oh, I can't remember the other things but you know, again all of the things were sub 30 or 40 light years so it was just a nice easy bulk trading mission that was I mean I think I saw the top 10 commanders got something like 50 million was it? Yes um, it was phenomenal yeah, Calton's saying that they made 150 million in the trade CG, mm. uh, and uh, yeah, I know that people, even in the Mobius group and things like that, were lining up outside of the station to get uh, docking pad. <laughs> yeah, good. The good, <laughs> the good old Hutton trucker former yeah. orderly queue while we dock thing. Yeah, but the, you know, can you imagine? Actually, I've never seen people having to form an orderly queue outside of a main station. Admittedly, yeah, yeah that, that's something. That's something new. quite impressive. Yeah, unfortunately, that there has been a little bit of um, complaints on the forum that uh, why is Canon being highlighted for for having this and a whole load of what I can only describe as well jealousy Salt. from some of the other groups or some of the other players. But what um, you mean, your your wing with three and a half five people in it isn't quite as popular and hasn't done as much stuff in it as Canon does. Something along those lines. Mm. Yes, well, speaking as a faction, very small faction, that does have its own game, ship in-game, real-time ship in-game thing, asset in-game thing, <laughs> uh, I think it's perfectly <laughs> fine and reasonable for you know certain members of the community to have in-game assets named after themselves. Um, I think we should just leave that there and move on. I think if we're going to do that we have to at least mention another in-game asset that Canon are getting and I hope this, I really do hope this propagates out amongst more than just Canon with the, you know, everyone who takes part in the CG I think it is, and gets up to a certain level, will get themselves a decal which, you know, we we all love decals and shiny things for our ships 
this is true. This is very true. So is there a chance that this mega ship, I mean, is it just going to be stuck in station in that system rather, or will it, uh, will it move? And if it moves, uh, are cannon going to be in any way, shape or form able to control that? Or is it just where um, the narrative takes them? Well, apparently, um, well, all mega ships can move, but they can only move at Frontier's behalf. Apparently, that's that was the the uh, the stuff that I think it was Michael Brooks said that that they can move them, but no one else can. Uh, so I, I guess it'll be have to be a discussion between Canada well, and like, Frontier, wouldn't it? Jax was able to move, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jax Jax bombed from one place to another place to another. Um, before it went off and settled down in Colonia. So, I mean, I dare say it's the sort of thing that could move um, as the as the alien narrative uh, expands. What alien narrative? I don't know anything about an alien narrative. Do you know anything <laughs> about an alien narrative, Ben? I know nothing about nothing, Governor. <laughs> yeah, right. Will you just please look into this light? <laughs> okay, what else? Uh, was there any other community stories coming out of that uh, community goal? Oh, not really. It was just very well received, I think, apart from the, the usual bit of uh, salt or jealousy, depending on which which way you want to look at it. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, let's have a look, see what, uh, see what else we're missing. Um, don't think there was much in newsletter 174. Now I'm going back through it. Um, that was more about the uh, the canon thing. Um, Although the, the, there are um, whole I, all I can say is fabulous paint jobs for the uh, <laughs> for the federal corvette. Honestly, these are these are so so fabulous. San Francisco is looking at them with jealousy. <laughs> yeah, I must. Admit, I did plumb recently for the. Um, for the add-on kit for the Anaconda to pimp out the Conda, uh, put some spoilers and, and stuff on there. Um, I, I just, I, I think they've got it right in terms of all the, um, the little microtransactions and stuff. So the changes mm. to the ship, I just, I, I really do like um, that method of funding. And I probably have, even though I'm on a uh, lifetime upgrade and stuff, this year alone, I probably easily put, you know, the cost of a new game into uh, Elite Dangerous just on the changes of lasers, changes of you know, ship kits. Um, ship names, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, all of that. Um, and I don't feel bitter about it at all. I, I, I feel quite good about it all. So, yeah. Well, yeah. It's the price for a pint, isn't it? Uh, or two. Well, for, for, for some of it, it's the price of a pint. For each of them, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's where the price point, I think, is right. And... Um, Although I, I, there's only one, there's only one that leaves me a little bit salty, and uh, that was the uh, the Chrome. Was it the Chrome uh, Cobra Mark III? The one that cost us was it a ten or fifteen quid? Or it was it was a it was a bump uh, mm-hmm. about a year ago. I can't remember which one it was now. Um, there have been a couple of ten pound ones, um, and I, 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 me and my wife wasn't listening, so yes, I have gotten the gold the gold Anaconda. Which was one of the ten pound ones, and I don't regret that a bit because it looks gorgeous. Really, it it yeah. really does look very very nice. Don't think it just looks a bit chavvy. <laughs> no, I think it looks amazing. Actually, it really does. I think. 
a bit Goldie Chain, you mean? Yeah, that's exactly where I'm going with this, Colin. <laughs> it's not. If it, it, it really isn't, though. It looks... Is the LED. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have to post a photo of this into the Twitch chat, because it really does look so nice. Because uh, it's a lovely... Yeah, there's lovely, a nice oh, amount yeah, of reflectivity color. in it. But it also, it's like, it's almost, in some light, it's almost black. Uh, in, yeah. other, in other things, it's almost red. It looks great. Uh, does it have a does it have a, a screen at the top that says Ben Mijuli? <laughs> <Yes. laughs> hey, I saw uh, some bucks on my cycle to work. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's uh, let's let's just crash on. Uh, let's go to um, as I say it's going to be a, a short show tonight, so we'll we'll go straight into the the shout outs. And um, I see that Jarvis has uh, left us one here. Uh, did did you mention the the X01 Kickstarter last week? I'm not sure if you did. Um, basically, X01 is a uh, really really nice, interesting um, planet exploring, atmospheric planet exploring um, space game, uh, where you basically you fly a what looks to be uh, like a, a rubber ball. You land it on the planet and you can roll around uh, using momentum and stuff, and then you can bounce up and turn it into a, a flattened um, UFO type uh, ship. Uh, and fly amongst the clouds and stuff. Uh, we've got a tinyurl.com forward slash exo-1, so E-X-O-1. Uh, they could do with a little bit of love, but go and check it out. It looks like a really interesting concept, and obviously Elite Dangerous is a little way off, we think, unless it's in 2.4, uh, a little way off um, atmospheric planetary landing. <laughs> just start that. Um, so in the meantime, we can uh, we can get our groove on with uh, with XO One. Although I'm saying that I have no idea when it's uh, when it's planning to deliver. So it could be a race between XO One and uh, and Elite Dangerous as to which one gets planetary atmospheric landings first. So um, cool, uh, Ben. You have a very special shout out this week, I think. I do. My, it's my son's birthday today, so I'm going to have to give him a shout out for for happy birthday to Alfie for, on his tenth birthday because you know that's kind of awesome, and you only turn turn ten once and things like that. Double figures. Yeah, double, double figures. Figure. I know. I know. It's kind of it's it's kind of scary to be honest. <laughs> How old were you when he was born? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I was ten years younger than I am now. <laughs> No, yeah, absolutely, whatever. Yeah, so yeah, that was. I, I, I find it kind of scary to think that ten years ago, this December, I was meeting my now wife for the first time in Manchester. Oh, I know. Anniversary is a bit of a sore point, though. I wouldn't mention it. Just shush. <laughs> Sorry, fella. Um, okay, oh, another one from Jarvis. Um, uh, try not to call him rude names on the radio. Try not to call him rude names on the radio. Uh, he has managed to get some early access passes to the long journey home and has been playing it for the last couple of days uh, and reporting back good things. He is going to be doing a launch stream on Wednesday, May the 31st. At uh, 7 p.m. UK time on our Twitch channel, uh, he's hoping to get some of the the devs from the Long Journey Home there on the stream with him as well. Uh, it does look like it's going to be quite an interesting game. If you haven't heard of it before, obviously just do a quick Google search for the Long Journey Home, 
um, it really does look like quite an interesting concept. So make sure if you are interested in it that you check out the stream on uh, May the 31st. And I think that's just about it. Obviously, we mentioned LaveCon 2017 just around the corner. It's sponsored by those fabulous people at the EDRPG. And again, as we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, we have just done a a number of episodes where we go through uh, an adventure with those guys uh, being the GMs. Uh, It was great, great fun. Keep your eyes open on the stream for that. That will come out probably in the next couple of weeks or so. Uh, and run all the way through to LaveCon, where we should do the final uh, climatic scene. And, of course, LaveCon is also sponsored by those wonderful people at EdTracker as well. Uh, By far and away the best um, way of looking around your ship, unless you have a full-on 3D virtual reality rig like Cow does. I I don't, so I'm more than happy using my fantastic EdTracker. Okay, anybody else got anything else they want to shout out um, before we close it down? Yes, we've got uh, Elite Meat and Pizza Meat. Pizza Meat and for Elite. Um, (laughs) Elite Pizza Meat. Yeah, Elite Discreet Pizza Meat this week. (laughs) uh, Not Elite Meat, it's basically a pizza meetup in Glasgow on Saturday night for a number of Elite Commanders. We've got about 10 people coming which is awesome uh, that's gone from 5 to 8 to 10 so we're growing that's enough to run a convention by the way and um, it'll be on at uh, quarter past 8 in Pete's Express in the city centre so you know by all means you can either book a table yourself and go and have yours independently or you can get in touch with the Facebook group or just send a message to me on the forum Cow, and um, I'll try and get you added and get your details Great stuff. Any more for any more? No, well, apart from the, the fact that I'm hoping to start top shift up again as I as I crawl uh, through another 1,800 light years to the next waypoint on the way to Colonia. So if you, if you want to watch me going effectively space mad, then you're quite welcome to join me at uh, 11 o'clock on a Thursday and on a Sunday night. <laughs> brilliant okay well that's it for another episode of lave radio if you'd like to get in touch with us here at the show then you can email info at laveradio.com facebook forward slash lave radio we are at lave radio on twitter or you can join our discord chat channel by going to tinyurl.com forward slash lave chat our teamspeak server is teamspeak.laveradio.com and of course we record the show live on a tuesday evening we say around about 8 30 it's somewhere between 8 30 and 9 o'clock depending on how efficient we are and we stream that out at laveradio.com forward slash live or twitch.com forward slash lave radio thank you very much to grant to ben and to colin for joining me in the sidewinder this evening and thanks for you guys for listening out there until next time fly safe and if you can't do that fly dangerous
going to see the galaxy. Galnet News Digest, 16th of May, 3303. We read the news so you don't have to. In this week's news, Greedy Cannon asks for more. Conda Cockpit Cock-Up Corrected. Pilot System 4 coming soon. Will this be the end of the Suicide Winder? Greedy Cannon asks for more. The greedy biscuit munchers of Canon Interstellar, soon to be owners of the galaxy's newest and biggest megaship, have demonstrated their avarice by demanding even more goods from commanders to construct their masterpiece. To be constructed entirely from 35 million 4,050 tons of indium, computer components, and tea, the Gnosis, with a G, will be three miles long and will be protected from asteroid damage by a shield constructed of vast quantities of iced Earl Grey. Cannon has also been accused of misleading the community after implying that commanders would only be offered a decal if they became allied with the tinfoil hat party of Thompson Dock in the Verati system. In fact, commanders who have participated in the appeal for construction materials will also qualify for a decal, as will bounty hunters who've helped the cause. Meanwhile, the forum moderators have called for their own megaship, which they plan to call the Banhammer. Conda Cockpit Cock-Up Corrected Edward C. Lewis, galactic representative of the Little People, has announced that the recent decision to fit plastic fascias in the cockpit of the Falcon de Lacy Anaconda has now been reversed. A massive order has been placed by de Lacy for hamster leather upholstery to be complemented by the finest beaten platinum and gold materials. The ship's controls will be detailed with ivory harvested from the very last remaining colony of elephants on planet Earth. Nothing is too good for the discerning Anaconda pilot. De Lacy has warned that it might be some time before they're able to refit their entire fleet, but promise that the wait will be worth it. 
The pelts of 20,000 hamsters will be needed to equip a single anaconda cockpit. Rival manufacturer Zorgan Peterson has expressed concern that the drive systems of its hauler-class spacecraft may no longer function correctly, given the shortage of motive power this wholesale slaughter of rodents will entail. Pilot System 4, coming soon. A new control mechanism has been announced for would-be commanders. Called Pilot System 4, it'll offer an inexpensive yet immersive opportunity to explore the galaxy. Featuring the wibbly-wobbly controller system, it'll allow commanders to simultaneously operate controls, look around the cockpit and chew gum, all at the same time. Would-be commanders who sign up for a pre-order will be issued with the otherwise no longer available shiny golden Sidewinder. Will this be the end of the Suicide Winder? Galactic authorities are looking closely at the well-known exploit used by naughty pilots the galaxy over of getting bounties cancelled out by switching to a stock Sidewinder and hanging about stations prominently until scanned and destroyed by the system authorities. While not actually offering a solution to the problem, the authority, a stripy black-and-white space loach, expressed determination that somehow or other the problem would be addressed. Meanwhile, the Pilots' Federation has confirmed that any new karma system will apply only to members of the Federation who've paid real credits to belong to the organisation. Ordinary pilots are considered to be fair game, and destroying their pathetic little ships is all part of the fun of belonging to the biggest and best pilots club in the galaxy. And that's this week's Galnet News. Galnet News? We read the news so you don't have to.